the nice light. Niggas know the vibes. Bronx, no capers. Queens get the paper. Brooklyn, wildin' on the island with the shallot. Harlem, fly. Drop top, rise. Kennedy, thighs with the fries. All my city niggas trappin' on corners. What we eatin'? Kennedy, thighs with the fries. All my city niggas trappin' on corners. What we eatin'? Uh, Kennedy, thighs with the fries. The eye consistent to the hand. Good mathematics brought the packs in. Summer snow tie. Let's do it again. And track, duffle the fish. Coppin' three, you better might front you a fifth Every transaction, cash the fist Back to the wind, get my mind to untwist Cause nothing funny, I'm still in the jungle Where your hands get muddy My plan's to get paid, flee the country Another first new monthly D's make it hard to hustle comfortably Double on the deuce on dry days Thank God for Fridays and shy days What a beautiful mix I drink my liquor straight to the dick Shorty, how you like me now? Go to smile What a gritty style profoundly Welcome to episode 57 of We Going In Presents. Today my guest is Spanish Rand, producer extraordinaire. And what you just heard was Kennedy Fried, that is Sauce Heist, over one of Spanish Rand's signature productions. In this interview, we talk about his journey, how he's only been doing it for two years, as well as his amazing work with both Aldo and Sauce Heist. Make sure you check out the entire interview for Spanish Ranch production techniques, how he finds his samples, his time at Def Jam and Rock Nation as an A&R, which includes a couple incredible stories about Rhapsody and West Side Gun, and much, much more. So Spanish Ranch, it's great to have you on the We Go In and Presents podcast, and you know, just just great to you know be able to hear your story and and hear about you know just your music production techniques and everything you got going on. But first off, congrats on Spanish Sauce, your project with Sauce Heist making it to vinyl. How's that feel? No, nah, it feels great. Uh, it's actually my um, first release on vinyl, so it's kind of you know I was a little overwhelmed by the reception of what we've been doing um, since we released. But um, other than that. It's great. Uh, great with overwhelm uh, for our people actually reaching out, showing appreciation, and actually looking, you know, like looking looking into seeing how the fan base is. And, and it was just great reception from it. So, yeah, it's a little overwhelming. But I'm very humbled by that. And that's like a real mark of like an official project, too, especially these days, because vinyl is not easy to produce or manufacture. So, in some ways, does this kind of feel like almost like an official, like like landmark milestone for you? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Because um, I, you know, especially when you start getting into it, like because you always see other other artists and other producers getting into the vinyl game, and then when you finally go uh, actually actually take more further to it, you start to realize how the process is as far as making vinyl and how much it costs to produce vinyl and the factories behind it. So when you start really getting deep into it, it's like, it's a, it's a really a, a long process, but when you finally get to see the end result, it makes you appreciative of, of the, the result of everything pretty much. Like, like even the final product, when you see the final product in the packaging and even seeing your artwork being presented in a vinyl format is amazing. That's awesome. And and I mean, I feel like Spanish Sauce is such a great project, too, with Sauce Heist. You know, how did you guys even come together to start working on that? 
Um, well, we met last year, but I've always been a fan of Sauce since he's been out. I've been like in that mix of like just looking at all the rappers that's coming out of coming up uh, lately, but especially from New York. So um, with Sauce, I met him through another artist by the name of Dot Demo from the Bronx. I, I was working with Dot. And they grew up together. And I ended up finding out that Sauce grew up a couple uh, blocks away from where I used to live at growing up. So he lived in the Bronx. I lived in the Bronx and it's from the Soundview section. So around there, I just, you know, I, you know, it's pretty much familiarity of, of his background, where he come from. It's pretty much the same way I came from. And we just, co- we connected in a, in a show and we just end up building from there and we end up developing a, a strong relationship that's my brother right there that's awesome i mean what was that chemistry like you know obviously like it was a good connection right to to start a project and to to work together but what was it like actually working on music there and, and putting spanish sauce together it was amazing it was it was really like like it wasn't really no thought process behind it i'll just play the beats while i'll send them some joints and, and uh He'll just go off of that. Everything I sent them was on Spanish source, pretty much. There was really no leftovers. We just went, took us like probably like a month and a half to get it done, but like really complete it, like a month and a half, two months. Um, we just ended up building. I'm a personal person, so like I don't really like sending uh, tracks. I'd rather you come into the studio and we just vibe off of that and just build chemistry rather than just me sending through email and pretty much not know what's going to happen for after that, you know what I'm saying? So other than that, I, I'm more of a personal person. So if you want to work, let's just pull up, we build a relationship, and then we could take it from there. And it shows through the music, too. I mean, it's pretty impressive, too, though, that you can send all the beats and every single one gets used. And it's not like, you know, well, I like two out of this batch. Send me another batch. And then you got to either make more or dig into the archive. Do you think that all the beats you sent got chosen because you were really careful with what you sent? Or, like, are you just really careful with what you make and keep in general um, in terms of, like, you know, anything that doesn't come out to your standards, you just don't, it never sees the light of day? Yeah, that's pretty much it. Like, if I don't feel like it's the one, I'm uh, it's never going to see the light of day. But at the same time, I go back and listen to the stuff they did previously, like prior, before we do work. And I'll just pretty much get a hold of the sound that they already captured and just pretty much tailor it to what I like to do, you know? So with Saucy gives me the vibe of a soul, very soulful, and but still with a lot of energy, kind of like what Ghostface and, and that's the, actually that's the perfect example. Like uh, he remind me of a, of a ghost face in a sense, but his own, his own way of, of rapping too. So even with that, I just try to go with familiarity of his stuff that he did prior and pretty much tailored to what I want to do and we just pretty much take it from there. So whatever I hear, I can hear him on, I will send it his way. But if, it's, if it, I don't feel it, it's never going to see the light of day. Yeah. And, and I like that comparison too, especially like sometimes he just says these lines that you're like, you know, you have to you have to rewind it or, or, or replay the song to be like, did he really say that? And, you know, it's, it's that great, um, you know, gift i think of being an mc when you can keep the listener on the edge of your seat um do you find that those are the mcs you're most inspired to work with are the ones that you know have that gifted wordplay and storytelling ability absolutely that's one and just lifestyle how you carry yourself because you got i mean at least with that's why i say i'm a, I'm a personal person so when i meet you 
has to be some type of authentic behind it. You know what I mean? Outside of the music, some you know, there could be some artists that they say certain things, but when you see them, they ain't really who they portray themselves to be through the music. But when you're already authentic outside of the music, and then you are who you are with the music, it's just all, all it, it's just I, I gravitate to that more because it's like the sense of being just real, who you are, how you carry yourself, the morals that you have. Or, or even conversations, like even with the conversations we have, if I feel like I can learn from what you're telling me, which a lot of the conversations me and Soft said, like he's he's younger than me, but I still learn from his point of view, and he's very knowledgeable with with how he handles and looks at things, and I you know I pick over I pick off off of that pretty much like energy really like energy we both we both gravitate off of each other. That's awesome. And, you know, I know what you're saying, too, when you think about, like, working with people in person, because when I was the editor at Hip Hop Game, you know, you get all these requests to do interviews and, you know, the music sounds good, you know, the the, the story sounds good. But then I got burned a few times when the, the person wasn't who they said they were in terms of, like, what they were rapping about. And, like, all of a sudden in the comment section, it's like, you know, this is not the real, like, this person isn't, like, like they don't get have any actual respect where they're from. And, you know, how do you vet those online requests? Because you can't, not everyone can get to you in New York City, but like you also want to sell beats and, and make a living doing what you do. So how do you vet people, especially like that online process? Um, It's more, I mean, like I said, with, with me is like, I, I I gotta see how how you are before anything. Like I gotta I gotta do my research. I gotta see what work you did prior. How, even with interviews, I like to look at a lot of interviews beforehand to see how you articulate yourself, how you talk, how you you know. What I mean, you can just see body language. I I don't know. I'm weird like that. I like I I just like to see the whole scene behind before before I even mingle with anybody. I'm just like that in general. Let me just see how you are before I actually give myself or my energy to you, you know what I mean? Because, like, you know, I, I'm, I'm big on that. I'm big on energy. I'm big on, on vibes and uh, how you are as a person. If I could see myself being around you or vice versa, like, you could see yourself being around me, then we could build. I'm all about building, but at the same time, it's all about how you carry yourself and, you know, pretty much morals and standards of how you are. And, you know what I mean? That, especially in, in, in the music game, too. Like, I like to just, I like to just see the scenery and how, how, how people move. And, and if you move the way I move or how, how I am or point of view and state of being or, or in general, we all, I'm all about building at the end of the day. So, it, you know, it ain't really nothing. What are some, you know, some of the worst requests you get online? I mean, do you get hit up a lot for like free beats and you should work with me, like do it for the culture? Like, do you get a lot of those free requests? Um... I get a lot of like, uh, I get a lot of like, yo, uh, let's work, let's work, but it'll be like people are like, you know, I'll try to do some research. It'll be about nothing. Like, especially on Instagram, it'll be a page of no music, no nothing. It'll just be like, let's work. I don't even know what we're working on. And so I think you don't got no music on your page. Like, <laughs> like so it's, I get a lot of that. Like, let's work or, or. I'm feeling your beats. Uh, I got a budget, but then it's like it's like a lot of question marks. Like, who are you? What we're doing? Like, what's going on? Like, I, I don't even know nothing about you. Like, it's like one of those. I always get those type of requests, but other than that, it's, it ain't really about nothing. No doubt. No, I I know what you mean. Those those are the worst. And a lot of the producers I talk to, it's like, 
they've gone from just ignoring them to like posting those requests publicly and shaming the person. I mean, there's a whole balance of uh, nah. responses that I've seen through Facebook and, and Instagram. That's one thing. That's one thing. About, at least with me, I, I respond to everybody. You know, maybe may like I won't respond right away, but I'm always going to respond. And at least, you know, I mean, I'm speaking for myself. Like, I give that respect back. You know what I mean? You're reaching out to me at the end of the day, so I'm gonna just give you the respect back. Of just at least letting you know that I see what's going on, and or it depends on 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 the approach too. If it's a little. I don't know. It never happened, but if, if the if the wording or the, the the approach is a little off, you know, I'm not gonna entertain it clearly. But I'm still gonna let you know that I see it. You know what I mean? Rather I leave it on scene, or if I just let you know, like, I right, manji, like whatever. You know what I mean? Like, but other than that, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna show that you don't exist. You know, I'm you still reaching out at the end of the day. You don't even have True. to. And. Other work that you're really well known for is the work with Aldo, and you know I love the stuff that you guys have done. Um, you know, you've done multiple projects with him at this point. You know, I'm curious, how did that relationship get started, and when did you guys realize that you had great chemistry and that that was a a really good pairing? Um, I met Aldo. We went to high school together. Me and I, me and Aldo went to high school together. Uh, it was pretty much like a six degree of separation. We knew the same exact people. Um, his DJ, I, I grew up with him since we were like in sixth grade, fifth grade. Uh, he grew up a couple of blocks away from where I, was, where I grew up at. Um, so pretty much it was like a six degree separation. Plus we went to high school together. But how he really linked up was um, he had a project a while back in 2012 called Nose Candy. And um, I pretty much helped him out with that album as far as like really trying to be the A&R behind it. And um, linking him up with the producers, um, I, I gave him, I helped him with the uh, Bodie James feature early, um, Troy Ave early, like you know, I played a little part on that. Um, so pretty much doing the A and R aspect in his previous projects before that, but we always had a, a solid relationship. That's my brother. Um, plus, we we hang out outside of music. Like we just we just kick it, family, like really family. At the end of the day. So even with that chemistry that we had, it was already organic because we already had a, a bond. So it was only right. And, and even during that time, I, was, I wasn't even making beats. I was really more on my A&R tip, like trying to be A&R, uh, uh, giving him beats from other producers or like linking them up with other artists or, or taking, we'll go, we'll go to different events. But yeah, during that time, I wasn't even making beats. So I, I just really got into it more, like, within, like, a year and a half, two years of taking my craft strongly. And then when he finally heard it and was, like, like taking it serious, that's when he was like, let's just do something. And that's how everything really much came together. That's crazy. So the original plan for Spanish Ran was to go more the industry, like, A&R management side. Is that, is that kind of – was that the original plan? No, I was, I was really I was really on the A and R tip more than management. I wasn't really into the whole management thing, but I was strictly A and R. I actually uh, had an internship at Def Jam with Lenny S, and after that, I ended up going to Rock Nation and did some little A and R work over there. Yeah, oh, man, that's incredible. What, what did you, what what projects did you work on over there? Um. Well, I got Rhapsody signed. Um, at Rock Nation 
And um, I helped bridge uh, the connection with Vic Mensa with Lenny S. So a little early work, not, not really made like huge because I was the only there for a short period of time. But within that short period of time, that's what I pretty much brought to the table. That's amazing. And, you know, with... oh, and sorry, I, go ahead. And I brought what? And I brought Westside Gun there early. Um, who else? Um, a, lot, a lot of up and coming acts. A lot of up and coming acts. That's pretty much doing their thing now. Uh, JIDK. Um, brought Smoke Dizza, Rock Marcy. But this was like I'm trying to be an A and R. You know what I'm saying? That's crazy. So what did you hear in someone like Westside Gun early on? Because I mean, he's obviously blowing up now. But, you know, 2014, 2015, he definitely had, like, a much smaller cult following around that time. Um, I remember Westside, Westside reached out to me trying to connect because I know he was doing a lot of work. He, not a lot of work, but he, was, he, he connected with V-Dawn, and V-Dawn is my bro also. So when he connected with V-Dawn, V-Dawn told him about me and a few other people told him about me. And he just pretty much reached out, like, yo, I heard you're the guy I wanted to, that, to connect with to try to get a situation at Rock Nation. And even with that, like, he already had a, 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 he already had a thought plan, planned out as far as what he wanted to do. Like, everything he's doing now pretty much is where we talked about in 2014, 2015, which is amazing, by the way. Um, but uh, what I saw in him was... Uh, just who he is now, where everybody's seen now. Like <laughs> the music is incredible. Um, his presence, his rapping style, everything, everything. Like the way, the, everything. Just the whole image behind it. He had to go front, like stuff that you that you barely you barely saw, especially coming out of New York. That it just stood, he just stood out, you know. Plus, he was from Buffalo, like. You know, I don't, like like very few people came out of Buffalo. So even with that, that, that always intrigued me. And I remember hearing certain songs that he had. I think like was it Hitler? Hitler wears Hermes too. That he did something with Sky Zoo, and I'm a big Sky Zoo fan as well. So that drew me into West Side Gun early, and plus the beats behind it and his voice. His voice was ill, still ill, but um, that's what drew me in and. We end up connecting through Twitter, and then we end up meeting. And I brought him down to Rock Nation. And we, we pretty much had the conversation. Every the conversation that we had was pretty much everything he's talking about now. And that it's incredible. It's incredible what he's doing. That's amazing. And I found out about Griselda and West Side Gun and everything through outlets like Not Right and you know Combat Jack, and you know doing the interview. And what's amazing is it's almost like Griselda is one of those last groups that was really like. Um, utilizing the blogs before like like while the blogs were like kind of on the last leg of being relevant um, you know with like not right not even being in existence anymore um, do you feel like they're going to be one of those last groups to really um, start out like through the blogs and then like make it post blog era almost um well yeah you know the blogs ain't really i mean it's still out there but nobody i mean i, I i'm so, i'm talking for myself but i don't really see it as like a thing now it's more like social media at this point everything's social media but um i don't know i don't know it's tricky you know things come back around so you know you never know the blogs might come back and you're going to have other groups come out from the blog uh, maybe another blog era that a new group might come out of but um 
I don't know. I mean, every day we get somebody new, but I always, I always find new acts through social media or, 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 or YouTube. To be honest with you, like I find a lot of acts through you, even Bandcamp. To be honest with you, I, I, I see a lot of new artists coming out of Bandcamp and, and follow through YouTube to see if they got videos. I like, I still got the A and R mindset of like, let me, let me really dig and try to find things ahead of time before. The masses just find it, you know. So I'm, I'm, I'm really big on that mostly. Yeah, no doubt. That was always one of my favorite parts too about hip hop game is like finding new artists through, like you know, getting demos in the mail or getting like links to MP3s that like nobody else you know is even up on. And then you know you have those hits and you have some misses. Um, what do you listen for like right. when you're listening for new artists to catch your ear to say? Not necessarily like that I'm going to do a project with them, but that this person has talent. Like what you noticed, you know, in somebody like Rhapsody or West Side Gun. Like, what do you listen for? Um, I'm big. I'm, I'm just mostly big on, on just good music in general. Good music. It could be anything. It could be trap. It could be anything. Trap music, boom bap. Or, uh, uh, you know, they got the Brooklyn Drill scene now, like, like Pop Smoke and... and few other cats but um other than that it just has to be good music it ain't really a particular sound or, or thing that drives me it just gotta feel right gotta look right especially with videos it has to be it has to be dope too like you can't be like the cliche type of things that we always see in videos it has to be something that is gonna make you stand out so a lot of even if you're doing some bugged out shit at least i can talk about it the next day and be like yo this this video is crazy you did this and that you know Especially if the music is dope, that helps, you know. Like I've just seen, I've just seen a video the other day that just the whole aesthetic behind it was sick to me. Was um, Sly Anakin. Sly Anakin had this video he just dropped, and just the whole scene of it, you know, what I mean, being the being the fact that he's from Richmond, Virginia, and and just gives me a, a feel of this is how it is out there. And I'm not from out there, but when I see a video that shows where you're from that gravitates to me because now I get to see like a, a aspect that I won't ever see or probably haven't seen, but from your point of view. So kind of like how it was back in the day, I'm assuming like, like I remember watching Dr. Dre videos and be like, damn, this is how Compton is. Like that gravitated to me. Like it made me, it made me want to get into their world as a kid. You know? So when I see other artists from different parts of towns and bring a part of their culture and where they're from, or even their slang, that always draws me in, especially if it looks authentic about behind it, you For know? Sure. Yeah, no, I love what Fly Anakin is doing. I was actually just out in Richmond today, and the whole Richmond scene right now is is really strong. I don't think I've, like, ever seen it as strong as it is right now. Like, Mad Skills just had, like, Mad Skills Day, and there's so many artists, you know, with, mm. with Mutant Academy, you know, Fly Anakin's group, and then Nicholas F. and Radio B, and just so many guys in Richmond right now. Um it it reminds me kind of of like what what was going on like in Buffalo with the unity with Griselda, um, not obviously the right. same thing, but some parallels just with like, just it seems like it's a very supportive culture within within Richmond and and you know the artists that that are that are visible seem like they're genuinely happy for like the success of Fly Anakin and Mutant Academy right now. Right, 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 definitely. Um... Yeah, same thing with what you just said about Buffalo. Like, like when I used to watch the Griselda videos early, I'm like, yo, this is how... I mean, I remember being around Buffalo when I was a kid, 
I mean, not even a kid, like my early teens, and I remember it looking the way it looks now. But even being older now and seeing the videos, I'm like, yo, this is how Buffalo is looking right now. It's just crazy, but it's bringing me to their world. This is their reality. This is what they see every day. But now you're bringing it to the forefront of what everybody can see now, and and you're pretty much bringing it to the map. You know, now Buffalo is really a staple in hip-hop, which is dope, but that goes back to the videos, like, you brought people to your world. So now that you got people in your world, now they already selling to you. So to me, that's dope. Like, I love that. I love that with artists, like bring, like pretty much showing where they're from through their videos and their, and their, and their lens pretty much. Yeah, for sure. And I'm, I'm curious, you know, you talked about Rhapsody. Um, what was it like getting Rhapsody signed? Because she's another MC who is just so talented, but like, you know, obviously deserved that look and you know didn't get it as fast as um as i thought she should have but i'm glad she got it you know in the end and and it's really cool that you were a part of that yeah um what rap was um it was pretty much being a fan being a fan from day one really like since like since she's been out like since 2010 you know we had that gap of lauren hill and, you know, Lauren Hill hasn't dropped the album in years. So we were always looking, I mean, at least as a hip-hop fan, from my, my point of view, we always try to find who's going to be the next Lauren Hill. Because, you know, technically Lauren Hill only dropped one album, you know, since, the, since 98, I believe, right? So who's going to fill in that gap? Who's going to fill in that the relatable female MC that, that people could, you know, like, who can, who can really listen to and who could really rap at the same time without necessarily talking about their sexuality like you know we had Lil Kim we had Foxy Brown that led to Nicki Minaj's success and everything but who's going to fill in the gap of the everyday woman like the woman who doesn't need to necessarily talk about the sexual part but at the same time hits you with the head like hits you in your head of making you think and making you feel like damn she just hit me with some knowledge right now you know so with her I've been a fan since she's been out because I'm a Ninth Wonder fan so Anything Ninth Wonder at the time was dropping, I was tuned in. Like I said, I'm a Sky Zoo fan, so he did songs with Sky Zoo from Little Brother. And when Rhapsody came out, I'm like, oh, this is dope. Rhyming on some soulful beats on top of that. So I, I was already sold from back then. So when I finally got myself in a, in a, a position that people respected my aunt and, and, and the building, I just remember being pre- uh, presenting, uh, pre- presenting uh, her to everybody pretty much from Tata to, to Shaka at the time to Lenny S like yo this this girl's gonna this girl's gonna be bound to win a Grammy or be in the Grammys I was saying a lot of that stuff before she even got signed and um, it came to the point that just me just be me really being persistent on on the situation uh, end up letting her gain, uh, end up getting the 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 consideration of people wanting to listen to what she had. And during that time, I think she just did the Kendrick feature, so which helped a lot because, you know, it pretty much gave her more of a stepping stone in her career that people could pay attention to it more. But a lot of people were still thinking that she was a brand new artist. But, you know, only a few. If you knew, you knew at the end of the day. But connecting with her was dope to get that situation too on top of that and then actually lead it to getting her Grammy nomination was amazing. It actually showed that I, I mean, at least with me, I wasn't bugging. I knew what I was seeing or hearing, you know? For sure. No, that's that's incredible. And I mean she just continues to 
to kill it too, which is which is you know amazing to watch. Yeah, God bless her, man. Hope she keeps on doing For it sure. too. And I always had great experiences with Lenny S, and he was always always showed me a lot of love. The one thing that I really wish he would have done back in the day was sign Shaw Stimuli. I think that was like, I think Shaw would have been the perfect Def Jam artist, especially when Jay was up there, to um, usher right. that new New York era and kind of get away from um, like what you know was being you know defined as. You know, this is the only definition of, of hip-hop coming from New York City. Um, that's the one thing I wish, if we could rewrite history, it would be that Stimuli had gotten signed. Right, absolutely. There's always, there's always that one artist you just, you always wish that they could have had that one that one shot that could have took them to the next level. But I feel like things happen for a reason, you know? And, and I, I, I hear you. I hear you with that one. And I'm curious, you know, going back to the Aldo story, you guys are in high school together. At that point, I mean, did you were you guys friends? Did you know each other, or were you just, you know, kind of passing in the hallways, not really knowing um, each other like that? Um, it was pretty much like passing through the hallways. He's, I think he he was a grade younger than me. Um, but we pretty much knew the same people. But at, it was more like. After the fact, like, oh, we went to raise. I mean, we both went to St. Ray's growing uh, in high school. So that was like a big uh, uh, basketball school. So we pretty much knew a lot of ball, the ball players. Like I said, it was a six degree separation. So it wasn't like we were friends, but we knew about each other, you know? For sure. And then how did you guys come up with the Dona Blanca series and, and you know, make those what they were? Damn, the Dorian Blanca series, that was based, those are like, all the majority of those songs were throwaways. Like, the first one was all throwaways. It, was it wasn't going to be on the main album that we were working on. Plus, it, that was really based on frustration, to be honest with you. We was like, yeah, we got all this music, but we were just waiting on engineers to really mix it down, perfect, like, they'll give us the sound. But it was like, at this point, we just wanted to just keep on dropping and, and just be consistent with it. So with the first one, the first two actually were a bunch of songs that we had in the stash. And um, we just decided to come up with a name and Doña Blanca was one of them, um, which just fit perfect. I mean, for, for us, it fit perfectly and it became a thing. And by the time we hit the third one, um, the third one was pretty much major. All of it was brand new because we've seen how the reception was with the, with the audience and the fans as far as with that. So we just wanted to make it one last, wanted to make it like a series and just end it off with a bang with all new tracks with like eight tracks, I think we did, seven tracks, and just, you know, leave it like that. So, it, But it, it was really based on frustration, to be honest That's with crazy. I mean, would you say that by the end, though, you were making songs for it? Or even even up to the end, were they all songs that you weren't fully satisfied with? Yeah, no. Every song we did, we were satisfied with, but it was just more like this ain't gonna fit in this in this uh, gotcha. this album tape that we had in the stash. Um, but the last the last one we did was all brand new because we seen the reception behind it, so we were like, you know what, let's just do brand new stuff. Majority majority of the songs that we did was based off of us watching movies and conversations, and we did that we did that album like in in a week, a week and a half. Because we got a home studio and I, and I engineer also, so 
that's really nothing. Like we, you know, all we need is to beat the play and him to write the raps, and we get that done fast. Do you feel too like that's where your best product really emerges when you're not like overthinking things for like you know a year or two and, and working on projects intermittently, but when you can lock in and get it done, you know, in under two weeks. I mean, it seems to me like that consistency can help a lot. No, absolutely. I, I don't like I don't like doing songs and keeping them for a long time. After a while, I get tired of it. Like, I, I get, I don't know. It's like if you listen to it more than once, for most people, it's going to be brand new. But for you, you're already over it. You're ready to do the next new thing. So, but I don't like, I never like keeping songs for too long. I think that's why the frustration came in. We were like, yo, we got all these songs we saved for a year. We're not going to use it. We might as well just drop this. And we both was like, yeah, let's just do it. And that was like the decision we made, and it actually worked out for our, for our, for our, the best, really. And how much pressure, I mean, do you feel as a producer to always be having something come out? Just with this era where like EPs are looked at as as kind of the norm at this point, as opposed to like ten years ago, they might be like um, more, you know, like novel. The, do you feel like there's more of a pressure to drop on a consistent basis and to keep you know the new projects coming, even if it's you know some beats here or an EP here? Like how how do how do you look at that? Um, no, I don't look at it as pressure. It's just like we work we work every day and, and I mean not every day, but we work every weekend and majority of the stuff that we put out or we did. Is is majority is always going to come out. It's never going to be one that we're going to keep in the stash and never going to see a light of day. Everything we do in the studio is majority is going to come out sooner or later. And I got this thing now that I want to drop every month. So I, I, if I don't feel like it's the thing to drop, or if I feel like it's not the music that is going to fit, or even if it's good or not, I'm not going to drop it. But we do so much music that something has to drop within that month. Whether it's a single, EP, or an album, but something's going to drop, and it has to go, it has to be crazy, because at this point right now, it can't be less than that. I mean, you know? you've, you've set the expectations at this point with the Aldo and Sauce Heist work that, you know, people people have a level of expectation now, for better or worse. Probably better, right? Right, right. Uh, I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, from, from my from my understanding, uh, I mean, from, from the reception I'm getting, it's looking way better. So I'm glad at that. I'm blessed for that, you know. But I'm still humble too. So I like to, I like to see from all aspects. So and you know, I, I feel like that makes you more sharper too. Like like you gotta see, you gotta see some type of critique that you can work on or better your craft and make it more bigger than what it was before. For sure. And you know, it's crazy that you haven't even been producing for that long. You said it was only for for around two years at this point, right? Yeah, taking it seriously for two years. I um I was playing with I was playing with the fact of, of making beats here and there. Like I had an NPC back in the day. I was toying with the NPC for a little bit. So I had some some knowledge behind it. But really taking it seriously and I was like, you know what, I'm gonna start doing this. It was probably like two years, yeah. That's crazy. What did you do differently when you decided to take it seriously? to get so good so fast? Uh, just having a year, like listening to listening to the people I grew up listening to, like, like other producers, see what they did. Plus at the same time, I, I was I, I was on some A&R shit. So it was like, I used to look at producers making beats. So I was like the fly on the wall, like 
just like, oh, just peeping how they make beats and then be like, oh, all right, this is how they do it. All right, cool. I'll, and then take it back home and practice and do my own thing. But at the same time, but watching like legends making beats before. And like, you know, I've been in studios that I've seen Knife Wonder making beats, no ID. Well, you know, all the all the great majority of all the greats, I, I I was like a fly in the wall watching them making beats, you know. So I wasn't making beats on the time at, at that time, but I just remember watching it and just using my ears and pretty much bringing it back home and practicing like that. What were some of those techniques too that you really just absorbed and and paid attention to when um, you were you were in those situations? Um, majority is just like making sure that sample is the right sample. The drums is the right drums. Um, I me, I love dirty beats. Like I love, I like, I like the grittiness behind it. So I'm a big Madlib fan. I'm a big Alchemist fan. I'm a, I, I'm heavy on those guys. So I love to listen to the 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 different samples that they use, especially Madlib. Madlib be using Brazilian samples, soulful samples, rock samples. So I like to test my ear at the same time, too, to see if I can flip it like this. Can I flip this rock sample? Can I flip this wild Brazilian sample and make it into a hip-hop beat or may even make it soulful, which is not even soulful? Like, so I like to listen to a lot. So even when I used to be in those little studio sessions, I would see how fast a person would chop their samples or what sounds they would use or or like little, little tricks here and there. That's you know? awesome. So, you know, when you look at that, where do you find the majority of your samples today? I mean, do you do a lot of digging and do you go to a lot of record stores or in vinyl or do you have other means? I do, I do the YouTube or I do the vinyl. I do, I do the, uh, the digging. Like, uh, I went out to Toronto about a couple of months, like a few months back. And I, it was so many record stores out there and I dig so much that I think a majority of the digging I went in Toronto went to Doña Blanca. Keep it real. Um, but, yeah, I do my digging in, in, in both aspects, rather than the internet or if I'm in the record shop, I'm definitely going to try to find something that nobody ever used or ever had or or did. That's awesome. So then what's that process like, you know, taking a beat, something like Kennedy Fried, and bringing it to life? And, you know, what's that Spanish ran, you know, production process like from start to finish? all about that sample the sample gotta catch my ear if it's and plus it has to be the, uh, depending on the artist too like if i'm doing something with sauce it, is it i feel like it's going to either be some soulful or some up-tempo grimy grimy shit so i gotta make sure that sample is going to fit that his sound and fit what he want to do so it's pretty much tailing into what the artist if i'm working with them at the moment but for me if i'm doing just making a if I'm making something from scratch, it's just got to fit my ear. So whether it's grimy, whether it's some soulful stuff, get some drums from a vinyl and just add my little flavor behind it. And then hopefully it come out the way I, I projected it to be. But, you know, probably take me like 10, 10 to 15 minutes to really get it perfected the way I want it. And how do you know when you got it? Like, what do you, how do you know, like, I got this the way I want it to sound. Um, uh, it's by feeling, by feeling. You don't want to do, you don't want to overdo it. You don't want to overproduce it either. You don't want to ask that because sometimes you might just take out the feeling of the beat. 
So I just go by feeling. Like, if it feels like it's done, I just stop and just move on. I like to work fast, so I don't like to really spend my time on one beat. So I like to knock out, like, three to four a day. So I don't really like to spend my time on one beat and add stuff that don't really need to be added because then I don't want to drown it with, with stuff that don't even need to be added, you know? For sure. And then, when, I mean, do you find that you make the best beats when you're making them for, like, a specific project or when you're just making beats and just kind of seeing where the samples take you? That, yeah, pretty much, like, seeing where the samples take you. So, so most of the time, I just zone out. I don't really, oh, I really don't think about it. I just, I just go with feeling. I just zone out, go with feeling. And sometimes my, my best beat is right in front of the artist. I like to make them from scratch. Some, most of the time so whether it's like sauce is there or, or if dough is there i'll just load up some samples or play some samples and just chop them up right in front of them and they mess with it we do it right on the spot that's why i make most of my best beats that is really on the spot and having that home studio gives you that that freedom and that luxury to do that when you're not looking at like paying for a three-hour block of studio time Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, I feel like when you do that, it's like you know, you gotta work, you gotta rush. I'm not big on rushing. I, I I can't rush on. I don't like to rush at all. It's not my thing. I'd rather take my time, see everything what it is, and, and you know, just pretty much map it out from I mean, there. I feel like if you if you're the the MC too, like being able to take a break in between songs and go for a walk if you need to, or you know, go grab dinner and come back. You know, when you're not on the clock. You know, I, I would feel like that relaxed atmosphere. Right, right. You're going to create better music knowing you're not like, we got to get this, you know, we're down to our last hour and we still have four songs to go. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, you know, you got, I, should, I feel like with that type of process, you should always take your time. You don't want to rush because then if you rush, you come back home and hear what you just did from rushing, you're never going to be satisfied. You rather, you want to feel confident enough that you know that you took your time on it and did what you had to do without being rushed for sure and i mean do you have plans to you know looking at the beats you have in the stash to do any instrumental type projects in the future yeah in the future in the very future i, I st i'm still trying to just deal with with artists and just trying to get get my sound perfected and to the masses from from just actually doing songs and i feel like by the time i'm already at the level I want to be at, of course, of course, all the legends did it. All the legends did it. You know, I'm, I'm a big Diller fan. Also, like I said, I'm a Madlib fan. Alchemist. Everybody did it. Everybody did it at one point when they already solidified and they made their sound and gave it. They gave the free work to everybody. But right now, I'm just still trying to develop my sound the way I want it. And once I feel like I'm in the level that I want to be, of course, that's that's that's. Without a doubt. And what's crazy to me too now is the market that there is for instrumentals. You know, when you look at like the different Spotify playlists that are just beats and, you know, the YouTube um, beat channels. I mean, there's a lot, there's a huge market now for instrumentals that wasn't always there, especially from like a lot of unknown producers that are, you know, making, you know, a Spotify playlist and all of a sudden they're getting you know, over 100,000 listeners a month. Right, yeah, which is crazy. I mean, the streaming thing is different now. Like, you know, you could you can drop anything you want and people are going to project it depending on who you are or 
what kind of fan base you have. But yeah, it's it's amazing. I mean, even with that, like even outside of Spotify, like I said, you got Bandcamp, you got YouTube. You could actually put out a whole instrumental CD on YouTube, and it, it could travel to places you would never thought. Like I, I remember finding different artists by by the by the uh, what's the the research, what's the the side button? Not even the actual video, but like uh, uh, the recommended button. I remember seeing some dope artists. Yeah, so you just never know what you might see, and you might come up with some dope stuff. There's a lot of produce. I mean, a lot of instrumentals that I came upon or seen from from watching. Uh, uh, I remember listening to some old Dilla tape, and you will hear somebody close to like you know, like you'll see like a flying lotus, or you'll see uh. Uh, of course, Madlib, you see guys around that, like DiBiase, a bunch of guys that's in the lo-fi type of sound, but you, majority of the time, some people may never hear, never really have heard the other producers back from, 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 from the recent, from the recommended button. So you can find a lot of heat from, by mistake, <laughs> be honest with you, on YouTube, Bandcamp, all that. And you, you know, you probably become a fan afterwards. And, and what I love about that too is, it's it's a lot more egalitarian than it was back in the day where a lot of you know a lot of websites and a lot of places were pay to play or you're only getting this streamed if you have these connections and so it's you could be dope and gain a following it might take you a while but it's it's way more possible i think in 2020 than it was in 2005 or 2010 Right, absolutely. I mean, you were. I mean, if you wanted to find some dope stuff back back then, you would really have to dig, like from mixtapes to going to like record stores and seeing. You know, I remember, I remember when I was younger in high school, like fourteen, thirteen, fourteen years old. I found out about Rock Marcy from a Peace Instrumental mixtape. You know, I didn't know who Rock Marcy was, but I became a fan from a Peace Instrumental mixtape off of Rock Marcy. And now look at him; he's like, you know, the god, you know, one of the forefathers of this shit. So. But that was from back then. I had to really dig for some dope shit, you know, outside of the mainstream stuff. Like, you know, so you just know you you'll always have to find you regardless of the fact it's with the internet or not, you're gonna always have to dig for some dope shit. If you you know, depending on how what kind of fan you are, you know, if you're cool with the mainstream stuff, that's cool. But if you really wanna find some dope stuff that's out there, definitely out there. For sure. And I mean, do you have plans? at this point for the Spanish ran compilation where, you know, you're working with the artists like the Aldo and sauce heist and get everybody in your network and that you want to work with together on a project. Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm planning on doing that soon. Definitely. Most definitely. And do you, do you plan to continue with the EPs and, you know, a side question to that is, you know, what do, what does the EP format offer you as a producer? Um, that you like as opposed to doing singles or an album? Oh, with the EPs, it kind of gives you like an appetizer before the meal. So it's like, let me give you a little bit of what we have to offer. So when we give you the full plate, you already know what's to come plus more. So it gives you like the anticipation factor. Like they gave us like four songs of this crazy EP. So if these four are crazy and we, let's just say quotations, we, these are throwaway tracks. Just imagine we drop an album, like you know, like if y'all a fan of the throwaways, so just imagine when we're ready to throw an album. It's gonna be way crazier than this. Like, I, I, it's just one of those skills I like to give out. I don't like to get too much so early. I like to, I like it's like it's like you know, just pretty much appetizers before 
before the main course. Definitely. So who's on the Spanish Rand wish, wish list at this point? Um, shit, uh, I want to work with Benny. Benny, Wes, you know, I mean, it's not far-fetched. Uh, uh, who else? I, I, I mean, I, I got a couple of joints with Rome Streets. I want to do something with Rome Streets, Uncle John, um, ST Nack. Me, me and Ray's got a couple of joints in the stash. Um, who else? There's a few. Fly Anakin I'm a big fan of. I would love to do something with Fly Anakin. Um, who else? Who else? There's a lot, man. I mean, it's a lot of artists. That's the great thing about it, too, now. They, it's like they all come from different parts. It's not even just New York, but there's so many artists that are so dope that I could, I could just name a bunch of people, but it's just too many right now. But yeah, those are the majority of the heads I would love to do something nice. with. And, you know, in the near future, you know, what kind of projects should we expect from you, you know, looking at, you know, the next few months? You know, do you have anything planned? Yeah, of course. Uh, uh, me, me, Sauce, uh, Jesus Heist, Ty, um, of course, Aldo, uh, another artist, Tree Mason, is Aldo's brother. We got some joint that is about to drop soon. It's really dope. Um, another artist named Blue. Uh, he um, not Blue from Cali, but Blue from from New York. He got some shit. Um, a lot of up and coming acts that you know, obviously, is, that's coming to the forefront, especially from the Bronx. So, um, but yeah, uh, that's gonna be the most recent stuff. And then I'm planning on doing some compilation with with different artists for sure.